Hi friends! Today's episode is part of a two-part series on men's mental health and emotional needs. So today I'm talking to Sudhanshu Mitra. Mitra is a, a writer based in Bangalore, India, and I first came across an article that he had written for an Indian website called Agents of Ishq. Ishq means romantic or passionate love in Urdu, and Agents of Ishq is a website slash blog about sexuality and romantic love in India. So Mitra had written this article about men's emotional needs uh, and how they're not being catered to and how they don't have the words to discuss their feelings. Uh, in the, In the article, he talked about how men sometimes talk about sex or other things with each other instead of talking about feelings because it's just not a thing that you do. Or sometimes uh, in, a rom- in a sexual situation, it might not be that the guy actually wants sex. It might just be that he wants to be held uh, platonically, but maybe doesn't feel comfortable expressing vulnerability in that way and so ends up having sex. So that article had lots of amazing ideas uh, and I was blown away and I knew I had to have Mitra on the, ep- on, on the podcast. So I'm really glad that's happened. And on this episode, we've talked about a lot of really interesting and new ideas for me. We discuss emotional freedom for men and and how men can understand their own emotions and why it's important for them to do that, why it's important for them to talk about emotions with their families and friends and peers, why it's important for them to go to therapy. We talk about patriarchy and how it affects both men and women, and how feminism is important, not just to women, but also men. For example, the idea of consent during sex and how it's a two-way street for men and women, Um, and masculinity modeled by our dads and how that harms us or how that affects the way we think about masculinity ourselves. It's just a fascinating episode, and I recommend that you listen to it and share it with men and women in your lives because we're really not doing that great by our men in understanding their emotional needs. Uh, And we really need to learn how to open up spaces for conversations about feelings, about men's mental health, in men's circles and between men and women. The audio quality of this episode is different from all our other episodes because it was recorded on Skype because Mitra lives in India and I'm in Melbourne. And you can hear the rich, beautiful soundscape of urban India in the background of Mitra's voice. So that's also a very fun aspect of this episode. This episode also has some really cute surprise guest appearances. The first one is by the muezzin at the local mosque near where Mitra lives. He starts the afternoon prayers and then we had to halt recording for a while. The second one is by Mitra's cute cat. And the third and most surprising one of them all is my Indian accent, which suddenly emerges when I'm talking to Indian people. And I think that a lot of my immigrant friends will understand this phenomenon. So anyway, I um, I hope you enjoy my Indian accent. Now, we've been going for a while. This is our ninth episode. And if you like what you're listening to, I hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a patron on our Patreon. You can find the details of our Patreon on our website, heckinconcern.com. What that means is that you can support us with $1 or a few dollars a month to help us cover the costs of producing this podcast. 
and just to give us a little bit of good feelings and joy. But you don't have to do that. Even if you don't do that, this podcast will always be free for you to listen to. And join the conversation. Please get on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and tell me what you want to hear on this podcast. What is heckin' concerning you as a millennial, as a Gen Z, as somebody related to a millennial or Gen Z? And I want to talk about what you want to hear about. So get in touch and enjoy. This is Amrita and you're listening to Heckin' Concerned Podcast. Heck, heck, heck. Hi, Sudhashu. Welcome to Heckin' Concern Podcast. <laughs> I mean, is it recording now? Yes. <laughs> okay. uh, hi. Hi, I'm Mitra. I, I, I prefer Mitra. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm a good Sudhashu also. Okay. But, yeah. So Mitra. you prefer Mitra. Okay. Um, so before we started recording, we were talking a bit about music and you listen to angry music when you're angry or depressed. Yeah. Do you yeah. do you like do you struggle with depression and mental health issues? Yeah, so th- that was a phase uh, when I kind of felt really low on most of the days. I would get up in the morning feeling like you know I've entered a different world and I'd just cry for no reason. And there was a lot of uh, low self confidence and motivation for many things. And that was because of different circumstances in my life, but. Yeah, that period is 2017 to almost the beginning of this year, 2019. Uh, I did go through, you know, ups and downs in terms of depression. And I also take uh, took some antidepressants too during this phase. Right. So it uh, the, and the antidepressants, SSRIs did help me in mm. uh, coping, in, in just being functional and being able to do normal day-to-day things. Right. Right now, I'm off medications. But uh, uh, over the years, yeah, I've, I generally regularly go for therapy. And that's something that I'm continuing even now. And, oh, uh, good. And also, it's, I've changed some of my uh, social environment over the last year. And uh, it's now it's more conducive. And uh, it, it doesn't easily put me on a uh, depressive mode. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, things have changed. But, yeah, I do go through smaller phases of depression these days. But it it's it doesn't add ba- as bad as it was, like, probably eight, eight months back or six months back. How did you f- figure out when it was time to get help? Because of different circumstances of work and relationship, it, it kind of felt like everything is going bad. And uh, that started affecting me. And... Uh, I think the period was when uh, I guess it became a routine for me to uh, like I would dream a lot and then I would get up and feel like I've come into another world. And then uh, then I would just generally feel low and not feeling like going to work. And there's a lot of stress, anxiety and it was just breakdown in the morning almost uh, every other day. So during this phase, I realized that, you know, it, it, I need professional help. It uh, I mean, for me, it kind of gave me a space to uh, understand what I was going through. Yeah. And, you know, it's like another brain that's there with yeah. you and trying to think. And it's in a, it's a non-judgmental space. And the, this other brain is trying to really work with you to figure out 
what is happening or give you some direction and give you some structure in your mind link things and also give affirmation where required yeah um so i think those aspects still help me even now i think that's so important and beautiful in a setting like india where a lot of the counseling happens really from people who have some kind of stake in your life they love you they care for you or they come from it from a cultural perspective like you might speak to your friends or your family or your elders might counsel you this yeah. kind of going and and speaking to a uh, a third person that's not related to you in a clinical setting is yeah. fairly new as of an idea in india of, of taking the time out from your social context and very in, like being a very individual centered yeah. approach you know of just me and my feelings and my thoughts and my space and my time to to focus on me this is i yeah. feel quite new in the indian context it is new that's true it is new and uh, it's also because i i mean growing up at least the relationship that i have had with family or you know friends is is more of uh, where after a point it, i think during high school like probably after high school like you're just left to yourself in in one sense and it's not like at least for me there wasn't space to talk about how was your day what did you feel uh, i mean for a lo- long period of time till i started therapy i didn't know words for you know many of the different emotions that i feel such so, as uh, i mean just as simple as you know trying to figure out what is anger what is sadness what is feeling you know isolated or feeling abandoned it would gen- generally be either anger or sadness yeah you know, it will be like a binary uh but uh, to be able to reflect on hey i'm feeling this because this happened is something that only came in the last one to two years actually yeah years. yeah yeah that that moment when you are able to start identifying why you're feeling in certain ways and that you have a choice you can i mean you can feel that and you can respect the fact that you're feeling it but the choice is still yours about how you will act based on those feelings that is so empowering isn't it yeah that is and uh, i think my first step was to just identify yeah that feeling this uh, and just name it yeah i think that itself took quite a bit of time mm. and it's still a process it's not mm. like a blunt actually but uh, it's way better than before like mm. if let's say i'm having uh, you know i'm i'm affected by something that let's say a friend of mine or a partner of mine has done i'm now able to articulate it and also say i i felt this yeah but also it doesn't mean that you we have to find a solution right away mm. just that i want to express this and yeah for me the space is just for expression at this point yeah I feel that men are encouraged to express so many opinions all the time and express their feelings about all sorts of things except what their feelings about their emotional needs are feelings like vulnerability fear yeah. sadness these are feelings that men are never allowed to express really but for everything else you're expected to have an opinion and you're encouraged to have an opinion and in this it's so sad in this way men are stifled yeah and gagged. yeah i agree yeah when i started to reflect on um, before 
therapy and like reflect on my college experiences and professional experience just after my college and i realized that i think at at a certain point in my college i decided that so till then i would actually reach out to friends saying hey i'm feeling this i'm feeling really sad i'm feeling really uh, angry about a certain you know thing but i think there was a point i do kind of remember for personally there was a stark point where i kind of told myself that i am going to deal with uh, all my emotions myself uh, and i'm not going to express it to anyone it's like i need to deal with it all by myself yeah you know that space that was in a way there with my friends kind of uh, stopped being there and post that is when like you know you do meet uh, friends but you don't uh, really talk about uh, what you're feeling or, you know there's no you, you'll never use the word feelings as such and uh, you are always meeting to, to do a particular activity like right? and mm. watching movie or uh, playing a game or you know you're out eating or drinking in a way it's the structure the societal structure is such that men generally you know talk about external things instead of their own um yeah. their own sort of trying to reflect on their emotions yeah you make such an interesting point that boys get together generally to do something whereas girls are often able to call up their friends or or meet their friends and say say things like i'm scared i'm sad i i'm worried so when you were growing up was at what age did you stop expressing these kinds of feelings to your friends this was uh, i think um, when i was i kind of stopped it and then started you know handling it myself but it was where around. did the, where did this idea that you need to handle it by yourself where did that come from yeah this is something that i've been trying to think about and um, one of the things maybe is that probably other people are also not expressing it is like probably i was the only one i felt like uh, i'm actually talk uh, expressing my emotions so much that my friends some of my friends you know it's a burden for them yeah uh, so i kind of felt that and also that you know i felt like you know it's it's something that i need to handle because i, I mean if i can kind of relate it to the fact that generally men are supposed to you know man up and handle it themselves mm. uh, and they should they, they should always be able to you know fix things or, um, yeah yeah i've i've had i've ha- had friends uh who have not been able to deal with their emotions but when suggested that they go and get some kind of therapy or counseling they have this very resolute look on their faces and they say i don't need therapy i can deal with this on my own and then they clam up they just shut up and refuse to share what's going on in their minds and i wonder yeah. is it because they don't have the words to share or is it because i mean how can those emotions be so deep so scary that yeah. they can't bring themselves to share it there must be something else that's stopping them from sharing their feelings um yeah. and then the tangle just keeps growing in your in your heart and your mind yeah yeah the the thing that you talked about i mean the word that you used is vulnerability right i think that's uh that at least in my experience still now i think that's one of the core things that is very important for one to 
you know accept and you know practice also at least for men it's because i think that accepting that you can be vulnerable and then expressing your vulnerability is it will change a lot of things in one's lives uh, it's not like uh, men don't express vulnerability they do express it in many different ways mm. but uh, it's it's just not you know like let's say you really have a bad breakup i've seen friends going through you know uh, low feelings but i think then it's about how you handle the fe- feelings post that so uh, basically i'm saying that you you can see different ways in which men express that you know they're going through a really bad time or you know mm. stressed but uh, i guess the way in which one's emotions can be handled nurtured uh, given space for or you know some sort of uh, just seeking therapy i think those those things are necessary though that those uh, if you like there has to be some sort of mechanism for you to understand how to deal with your emotions mm. i think that is and that's one of the things that i uh, when i read bell hooks basically i started reading bell hooks and mm. it kind of uh, shifted a lot of my thoughts in my mind mm. um, the bell hooks book there's book called man masculinity and love uh, it's I've called the yeah yeah um, that is i think a must read book on for men like me mm. for say because it, it because i i like the way bellocks talks about feminism patriarch patriarchal structures and tries to understand the subjectivity of men and tries to also give directions yeah yeah uh, yeah so it, you know like women are often portrayed as not in their entire not in their humanity they are often portrayed for the more physical appearance or the or some of the more what is perceived as feminine qualities but often the other very human parts of their existence are erased in men's narratives similarly in in men's and women's narratives a, a lot of the human parts of men are erased they also are made to fit into a kind of a script yeah. or a, a or a sort of a stereotypical image of this strong man that doesn't yeah. have feelings that doesn't yeah. and men are kind of reduced to this sex centered creature you know sports yeah. sex food money these are the few things men are very simple creatures they have very simple needs they're reduced yeah. to such a uh you know cliche so it's not just women who suffer because of these patriarchal notions mm. of of femininity men suffer so terribly as well because of yeah. this masculinity that has been built in in cultures yeah i i guess uh, the way i look at it is that it's it just doesn't allow for uh you know your fullness of your being like it doesn't completely allow you to reach the human potential that you have within like in the sense you, you it's very a narrow way of living if you just follow you know the notions that uh, as men are taught, taught and in nonsense i also went through this where i will still go through this actually in different phases where i i would sometimes i would at times look for sex but actually in what i would need at that point is some physical affection or you know touch or i would probably need some 
probably emotional affection to but then all of it would be like oh if i probably i should uh, have sex and that would answer the things yeah but that takes a very a self aware person to reach that conclusion that what you needed in that moment was emotional intimacy or a comforting physical touch a, a, a platonic comforting physical touch was yeah. really what you needed not necessarily a sexual touch and yeah. but most people i mean not just men but most women as well it it takes a very self aware person to know in that moment what what you really need uh but yeah. i can imagine that it's a little bit harder for for men because apparently women love to cuddle but men just want sex so <laughs> yeah. uh for a man that's expecting to live up to that idea it must be even harder to intro- introspect in that moment and ask what do i really want right now out of this interaction with somebody yeah and i think a lot of it would uh, you know would have been fine if physical touch and affection and you know all that was okay between cisgendered men it, it like it, it's not there and i i also at, at some point i written about it and thought about it how there was a period of time probably in my high school or something where even the you know parents stopped like hugging me or you know touching me or yeah. you know giving uh, physical affection uh, of sorts and now it's back now it's kind of changing and we hug each other and all that yeah but during the college phase and you know for about probably 10 to 12 years it that stopped and it's the same with my uh, friends also i mean we never which is usually when we meet it'll be handshake and a hug. like generally it would be handshake and then i would push for a hug uh, so you know it's 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 just that and it's not if anything more than there's this chance of you know sexualizing of uh, the touch itself and mm. i mean so you lack that there in in the friends that you hang out with like where would you seek it like you would seek it only in your probably romantic you know partner uh, romantic relationships or yeah. you would seek it through sex uh, i generally feel that everyone needs physical affection and touch uh, at different points in their lives yeah and uh, and i've been trying to understand what are these avenues where this can happen mm-hmm. what do you think prompted your parents or the parents of your friends to phase out physical touch and when did that happen when did that get phased out and why I don't know I mean I've been trying to read about it and trying to understand what it might be and it is that you know a person has grown and now the person is post puberty and now you can't uh, and Bell Hooks also talks about it uh, but how that changes and parents as such probably probably they also think that he is like a grown up boy and he'll handle it himself yeah with friends i think large part of it is because it it is like internalized homophobia right and yeah you just sexualize like even if it's like a hug more than like 3 4 seconds mm. then easily will be sexualized in the brains and it's it's, it's not just the uh, it's not just that other people will sexualize it but it's just that internally you will feel like hey what am i doing but this is the thing right so we don't expect men unless it's a sexual or romantic scenario we don't expect men to have these needs of physical touch and and just reassuring 
physical affection we're not yeah. let to have this understanding that it's okay to hug somebody without it being yeah. a sexual thing it's okay yeah. to you know uh it, they've sort of the different men and women and their roles have been segregated to the point where there's internalized homophobia on the part of people and then there's also this confusion about what uh touching between sexes might be and it's not all yeah. sexual um but we don't understand yeah. that as yet yeah i mean essentially it is that it is that you there are particular roles that generally society tells you to play but i, I what i realize is that once you now even if you know that you know this is because of particular uh societal upbringing or societal roles that is enforced what do you do after that is also a question like mm-hmm. i don't think those feelings go away just because now you theoretically understand why where it is coming from it does help quite a bit mm-hmm. but i think in that moment again you'll have to you have to have some sort of conversation around that or reflection around that and i guess that's the only way some sort of opening up of different kinds of relationships can happen yeah So Mitra your uh I know you don't like the word woke <laughs> but because <laughs> you wrote an article about how not to be a a woke boy that's just using his wokeness as an excuse to sleep with more women yeah um but for let's just say the positive connotations of the word you are pretty woke so does that make you do you feel like your other friends are on the same level as you now or do you feel left out uh, so yeah i went through phases of you know different um uh, once i understood things theoretically i would try to enforce it in uh, all my circles like if there's a friend who is saying something sexist or casteist or you know racist of sorts i would you know immediately react or it would become an argument or it would become uh, i i would react very easily but i think over a period of time i realized that one is that i have also been in uh, in the same place and i think i need to recognize that you know that uh, it's not going to change in one conversation mm. and it, it these are smaller conversations that you need to have like uh, what are the ways in which you can still be uh, you know political but also empathetic to the other person and yeah. uh, it takes some time to have those conversations and essentially you will end up explaining all the things that you think is going wrong in that space mm. but to do it in a manner in which you know it understanding that people have just internalized certain you know responses to certain situations yeah i've had a liberal arts education mm. and i've also met people who have taught me a lot of things and then i started reading a lot of feminists and i've learned from uh, a lot of their writings too so i have gone through that you know process and uh, uh, ideally if you're like an engineering student from let's say bangalore you would never unless you come across it on it on social media you would never uh come across first your circle will be largely engineers and you know uh or the corporates that you will be part of and you would never interact with a liberal arts student or you know an arts student or economic student or you know mm. gender a studies student 
so you never interact with them and so you have like a particular circle of people around you you're only open to the uh, social media discourse on oh feminism is this feminism is that feminism is killing men you know you know yeah. all of yeah 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 you're just exposed to that discourse and so but the fact is that your um, like at least my circle are people like that and either you just you have to deal with that i mean you have to reach out to them where they are and then build it there's no other way or you just have to stop talking to yeah. them yeah but you know it's very scary for women to take on that role of educating men it feels yeah. like a punishment it's like first of all we are the ones that have been subject to a lot of discrimination and now we are the ones who have to be patient and also explain it to you um yeah. the other day i i i went on a couple of dates with this guy and on our second date we got into a huge argument about feminism and patriarchy this guy basically said there's no such thing as patriarchy and up until then i was really enjoying my time with him and then he said that i was devastated um there's no such thing as patriarchy uh it's just the way it is nobody has told women that they can't do these things his argument was my father never told me to treat women badly and my father never told blah 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 so uh who it's not men who are passing this on it's just the natural order of things and yeah I have I, after that I went on another date with another guy who the the topic got around to violence against women and stalking yeah. behaviors and I, when I said the word generally it is men who who do these things so he misunderstood me he thought I meant that it is generally all men who do these things so he got very angry and he said oh yeah. oh come on not not all men and i i i hastened to clarify but at that point i i thought okay if you're not even going to listen to what i'm saying carefully or yeah. you know your first knee jerk reaction is to yell at me across the table no that's not fair come on not all men are like that not all men are like that and you're yeah. invalidating what i'm saying even before you let me clarify then yeah. you're part of the problem yeah i agree that the labor of teaching men is me not fall always into women itself but but i have to say that i have benefited from uh, women talking about it and yeah and in the end of course it's also what do the men do in their circles right and uh, it's again about like okay you, ha- you, ha- you have a circle of men and there's some sort of locker room talk going on so what do you do i, I think those aspects of trying to really understand the situation and uh, being able to articulate what is going wrong in that situation yeah i think that labor has to be done by men also like all the you know the work yeah so we feel that there are so many things about women that men don't understand but mm-hmm. what are the things about men that women don't understand and what are some of the uh, bad behaviors that women do towards men i think one of the basic things is that if you are being emotional or if you're being vulnerable then what space do the women provide because as much as men are internalized to not show emotions 
in a way I've internalized this notion that if men because they wouldn't know how to handle men uh, who are actually being vulnerable mm. uh, so you, because you're so used to men not doing that and then if men do that then would you would you still accept the man uh, accept the person as they are or would you be repulsive of that of of the person actually being emotional i think that's i think that's one of the core things i think i think that's one of the things that i've uh, seen and experienced also that at times there might not be space for emotional vulnerability or the same space that the others would expect from men would Have not you, be given to men yeah right that's such a great point so in your dating history when you go out and meet new people when you start dating new people is that something you feel anxious about that she or you know whoever the person you're dating is soon going to find out that i express my emotional needs and will they be put off by me yeah i mean yeah i do i do get apprehensive about and anxious about that aspect and uh, i think it is to do with like how will this person take me as a like or see me as a person if you know i'm having like a breakdown or i'm ha- feeling really low and uh, i'm i'm feeling very low self confidence and uh, it is it is something that i experience on a day to day basis also and it's not like even if i know the person well uh, even if yeah. i know my partner well it still comes it still is like will this person accept me uh, as i am yeah so th- that does happen yeah you know i was thinking about this that um often times uh, especially for example during sex if a man is not in the mood for sex or says no or isn't mm. able to really get in the mood i think yeah. women take it a bit personally that because a men men for example always supposed to be Beautiful. wanting it always ready and yeah. it's women who are the ones who get have the luxury of saying not today or i don't feel like it and if a woman initiates and a man doesn't respond it's like a big thing you know um, yeah but yeah i agree right yeah. but in that situation if there was just a conversation about uh, rather than having a very going into your head and thinking oh my god what's wrong with me if you just if there was a more empathetic conversation with the person with the man in the situation for if it's a hetero relationship mm-hmm. um it might it, it would be so different in terms of bringing you know emotional safety to a relationship yeah i mean and i i face that even now actually i mean it's it's like this is something that i learned recently in therapy that uh, well i'm like very open and vocal about someone else giving consent or not giving consent you know during the process of sex itself i don't apply the same logic to myself yeah uh, like let's say if i am i don't want to uh, go down on a person or i don't want to have more than you know some some kissing and cuddling one is i, I i'm not able to vocalize it that you know yeah. uh, that i don't want to do this but also i guess it's also important for the other person to also take a moment at that point and uh, you know ask or converse about hey would this be okay or hey are you not in a mood yeah uh, i think it, it should happen uh, that that space needs to be created not only by men but yeah, uh, also 
Yeah, uh, consent is a two-way street. It's not just men. I mean, yes, historically men have been the ones who have had the yeah, most yeah. problems like with that. consent, but it's yeah. not just men who need to ask consent and get it. It's women as well that need to ask the comfort and the safety of their male partners uh, and, and, and get the consent. If you experience that space, uh, you would also want to give it to another person. Uh, that space of like if you experience the space of just being yourself yeah um, you would also be willing to make create the space for others yeah uh, for them being themselves so you know uh, when you first became aware of the nuances of feminism and patriarchy and what did it affect your sex life in that you were scared of uh, because in order to have often in order to have sex you need to have some degree of objectification and yeah. that is the age-old conundrum of how can you be a feminist as well as yeah. be a, an object for that for that period and uh, you know you need to objectify the other person the other person needs to objectify you a little bit so yeah. was there a confusion in your mind did it ruin sex for you for a while um it i was being extra careful and uh, it didn't ruin my sex life as such but i was apprehensive about what i should be doing and what i should not be doing in a very extreme manner like i would not be okay if let's say let's say the person i'm uh, i'm having sex with that day is okay going down on me i would still feel ashamed and like i'd like is it okay if, if for you to go down on me it can again uh, you know reinforce morality because uh, you feel like this is how so basically in porn there are particular ways of having sex right and yeah. if that is what is being replicated again i would i would think about i would actually again uh, think about is this okay or not but it took me a while to understand that i mean it's fine as long as the we are actually doing what we like doing yeah uh, even though if we are replicating the same things that we see on Uh, in porn itself but yeah. as long as it's like you know we like and we're talking about it and yeah uh, being empathetic i think then it's fine so shame you were talk you said the word yeah. ashamed shame is a really powerful emotion isn't it yeah where how do men deal with shame because very few people express that uh and men especially find it very hard to express that they seem to internalize it a lot more um yeah. so what are some of the toxic ways in which you yourself have dealt with your feelings of shame generally you distract yourself i think that's the major uh, warfare sort of term like it's it's a weapon uh, right for men that mm. it's uh, distraction is the go to mechanism for almost everything you you do something else you just watch porn or you just you just go and drink or you just do something as long as your mind is away from the things that you need to think about so it kind of for me it was that it was whenever i would feel emotions of shame or anything you distract yourself and do something else so that would be the uh, go to mechanism yeah and yeah Yeah, you write that it's so um, it's something that it it does take time to identify when you're feeling shamed 
yeah i think it's important to identify that and uh, and then being able to articulate it shame of you know let's say not performing not being able to for example i i um i think my first you know pino when i vaginal sexual intercourse was probably when i was uh 23 or 24 but the fact that i hadn't had experiences of you know pino vaginal intercourse i would always be you know that's the feeling of shame would come because i would be like i don't know how to have sex mm. uh, sexual intercourse and what would would the person i'm you know dating or would they be okay in you know um, me not knowing what to do yeah uh, i i can imagine you would have felt the pressure because women are supposed to be completely sexually unaware and virgins and men are supposed to be studs who know how to yeah. do it from the day they are born yeah. <laughs> You know, men are yeah. supposed to take charge, especially in the Indian context. I, yeah, I mean, as simple as even putting on a condom, like you haven't done it for the first time, and you—it's like we we never, at least in our circles, we never have sex education unless you look up online. Yeah, um, and then you again, you're not actually typing sex education online. You're typing all you're sorts typing of silly things. things. Did you and your dad ever talk about sex or relationships or feelings? uh sex no i realized that i mean with parents especially and dad my parents are someone who would probably not talk about these things in a very direct manner like i have written about it there was a period where i did write mails mails talking about the fact that hey i'm feeling jealous about my partner seeing someone else uh basically i titled this mail Uh, called it voices in my head and it, it it was in a way me initiating this conversation and talking about the fact that uh, for a long period of time you know i have never expressed what i what i go through in my head you send these uh, to your parents yeah, yeah i i sent this to my oh dad. wow you are brave man i mean first of all that you sent your parents emails about your feelings is a big one but then also that you send them emails about what sounds like an open relationship yeah yeah it it was it was going through that phase and uh, that way i have opened up conversations in different ways with parents but what i realized is that yeah it's not like i got a reply to this email but oh. they, but I do, because this during this phase i mean in the same mail i had talked about the fact that i'm going through low phases of mental health uh so it was uh, in that context and but they while they didn't talk about the mail specifically they showed care in different ways by you know calling me and you know we had a skype call or we would they would come and meet me so it was care in different ways in a way yeah, uh, disappointed that you know i can't have direct conversations but now i'm more uh, okay not having you know sitting and saying hey i'm feeling this uh, what what do you think kind of okay with them not being okay with having you know direct conversations about things and uh, I, i guess i realize that it, it's going to take time for my parents or my dad especially to be able to ask about uh, you know and but i also recognize the fact that they they're listening to me they're not like shutting me down and uh, they are in a way responding in 
you know kind ways and empathetic ways but not probably in the direct way yeah. that i had expect well that's a step in the right direction i mean uh, that the fact that they didn't acknowledge the email isn't great but the fact that they still didn't shut off the communication channels um yeah. but that you know that just shows they have tremendous love for you and it's it shows that they appreciate being let into your head Yeah. yeah yeah so what model of masculinity did your dad model for you when you were growing up was it a uh was it a helpful one for you was it toxic uh it was in a way where uh, you don't talk about your emotions that much that's uh, that was one and uh, um so there was a situation which i think it kind of shows the i uh, know the model of masculine uh, masculinity that was there it's that we were in a restaurant and uh, we had asked for drinking water and this uh, the person restaurant owner uh, was like you have to buy bottled water and i was like you know but you know you're supposed to give like normal uh, you know purified drinking water and i i don't have i shouldn't have to buy bottled mm. water I was trying to have a conversation and this person wasn't listening to me and I was trying to say but you know I'm but this is not fair but my dad was more 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 like his response to that was he would he he raised his voice fully it's something that I don't do generally uh it's like you raise your voice and then um you kind of intimidate the person and that worked at that point and what I was doing didn't work so I kind of felt like like how am i going to survive in this world i mean yeah. if it's this is going to get things done and he's been someone who would be okay intimidating or being uh, you know loud or, um my i i've grown up in a family of mostly women so i have a younger sister and my mum so the three women in the house are very open and communicative with each other and i think that's rubbed off on my dad but mm-hmm. what i know of my for example my dad has two other siblings and there are two brothers and then there's one sister so the sister was treated differently than the two brothers by their father uh similarly in my mom's household she has a brother as well and she and her brother were treated differently in terms of the uh the the brothers were treated a bit more roughly than the mm. the you know the the girls Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, in in that sense, I also faced uh, that sort of disciplinarian, uh, authoritative uh, sort of a model. Um, um, and uh, yeah, to till probably high school, even I was, uh, you know, beaten if I did something wrong. Yeah. Uh, But it's okay yeah. to beat a boy because there's yeah. some uh, feeling that boys are just tougher. Yeah. yeah that's true it's um, it, it is it, it has been like that and uh, it, the the model has been in so, some sort of an angry young angry man um angry disciplinary man sort of a thing for a large part of my childhood at least it has changed now i mean the relationship that i have with my dad is very different from yeah before like when we hug right now and it's like this never there before oh so, uh 
uh, obviously we need to encourage men to take responsibility for their actions, but that begins with awareness and compassion for oneself. I'm, I'm not talking about an inflated sense of entitlement. Entitlement is different, but compassion is something which more people could have and show for themselves and for the parts of themselves which are, you know, unspeakable or, or terrible. So yeah. in, in that sense, in terms of openly expressing feelings, in terms of understanding and making space for emotions uh, yeah. in, in men's circles, how, how can we, how can India do better? Uh, I can speak for the men like me. I think as basic as just trying to understand what is happening in each of, each of our lives, I think you can just start with that. Yeah. Like trying to understand what kind of stress that you're going through, either in work or in relationship. Once you start, uh, you know, talking about as basic things as your day-to-day emotions, I think a big change will happen within just the circle of men. Instead of, like, when you meet, you generally say, hey, how are you? How is your work going? Mm. But the conversation just stops there. And you, you generally say, I'm fine and... I'm doing this and then you just suddenly move on to some other conversations yeah while that is also great I mean I'm not denying that that should never happen but one can also open spaces by taking the lead by saying hey let's talk about our lives yeah. let's not like you know always talk about other things and I, I have done that and with my friends and it works and they're like yeah let's talk about it and uh, we talk about you know how we feel and you know what is happening in our families and it can start with that and if change has to happen within our lives, then it has to start uh, in these ways and trying to understand how to deal with situations in a relationship. How, uh, how to, I mean, I don't know if you've read it, but there's this uh, uh, this person who goes by the name uh, Nora Samarin, uh, that she had written a, a piece called The Opposite of Rape Culture is Nurturance Culture. Right. And there are some pieces like that which talk about our day-to-dayness and really talk about how do you bring nurturance nurturance culture in the relationships that we have yeah men are yeah. not frequently seen as nurturers are they yeah that's true uh, they aren't seen that way and i think and as basic as you know talking about are you just are you listening to your partner are you like you know taking a step back and understanding are you talking over your partner most of the time? So if you just keep a count or let's say if you're in a meeting, if there are women in the group, are you talking over women more? I mean, just to be reflective of it. And essentially, yeah, therapy helps in a big way to uh, for those who can afford it, of course. I suppose when you start showing empathy for others, it rubs yeah. off and you start showing empathy for yourself as well. Yeah. yeah, when you listen to others, then you suddenly start thinking about what you're saying and why you're saying it and start listening to yourself a bit more. It, that's true. Yeah. And uh, and it is essential for your own uh, good if you are able to uh, reflect on your emotions yeah. and be healthy, actually. Mm. I think on one side, we need to kind of talk about mental health and uh, talk about the myths of therapy in general yeah uh, and on the other side for men to have access and also for to kind of encourage men to access uh, therapy if they can 
is something that does yeah. help. True. So here's here's a sort of parting question for you. What do you wish women would understand about men? Or what do you wish the women would understand better about men? Uh, I feel like generally I feel like women do understand men more than men understanding women. Mm -hmm. So I think generally there is already that's there. And I think it's the fact that men just don't open up uh, makes it more harder for you know others to understand what men are thinking and all of that. I, mean, I feel like it's a very difficult question to <laughs> because, I, because I've never I've never thought of it that way. That so I, I would actually frame it this way that I think uh, I don't think there are essential you know essentialized factors about men that women don't understand. But I I guess all one would ask for is maybe at least the once in you know your lives like personal lives mm. you if you ha- you can be more kind and empathetic and allow space for emotions yeah um and if men are being vulnerable and allowing space for that vulnerability i think that's important i think from that you will gain like women will gain an understanding of uh, men i guess yeah, i would say yeah no that's such a good point but also going back to what you were saying before that women seem to understand men and but it's probably not the same vice versa my friend made a very interesting observation uh, she said mm-hmm. female writers write quite complex male characters yeah but yeah. male writers frequently write very one or two dimensional female characters yep. Yeah. I wonder why that is. You're a writer, right? So you, <laughs> why do you think that is? The way I look at the world is that the ones on the top, which is like the cis male uh, sort of a space, they they don't have to think about, you know, another person. Or they don't have to think about what is the complexity of, you know, another person. Mm. But uh, the ones who do face you know, social realities that affect their lives, their choices and their decisions. It's inevitable that, you know, you will, one will analyze the society better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, than the ones who are sitting on the top. Yeah, you make a good point. Interesting. Yeah. So if today's conversation was, you know, speaking in terms of stories and stuff like that, if today's conversation was a fable, what would we say is the moral of the story? Uh, for me, at least, I think the conversation that we had just now is what. Uh, uh, sorry, my cat. Wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the I think I guess the kind of conversation that we had is something that needs to happen more. Right. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah that's the moral of the story. Have more conversations about feelings with each other particularly yeah. with men yeah 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 i <laughs> guess that's the I, yeah i guess that's that's how it works you have to sit and have conversations about it and it is going to be difficult uh, but i guess it's important also yeah so mitra thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate it yeah no problem it, it has is the- 
wonderful too. yeah it has been a really enlightening and interesting conversation i really enjoyed myself the questions that you pose is something that um, i hadn't sat and you know talked about it like this for a while it's, yeah it's, it was a good experience to do this again. oh thank you yeah. you did very well <laughs> yeah all right bye bye